Hello, this is Matt Moreau, the worship pastor here at Glen Allen Bible Church, and you're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, December 5th. Hey, everyone, I'm John Vanderbilt. Hi, I'm Simone Halpin. And I'm Kelly Brady, and this is the Next Level Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to my office, slash the green room. What's going on out there in the worship center? Yeah, we are redoing our production booth, making yeah. it make more sense. Is Sunday morning a production, Matt? <laughs> I would call it more of a performance. It's a performance. We're performing. <laughs> right, right. So basically, you can catch me every Sunday performing. between 9 and 1130. Uh, performing on the stage. <laughs> you can be part of the audience. Kelly's every hair on Kelly's oh. neck stand up. <laughs> I, I, you're not the only mm. church that doesn't call it a stage, even though it's clearly a stage. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? right. Let's, hey, make can yourself they, feel let's better be, and call it a platform. Or, but, yeah. Let's know, be more stage. confusing to the world. How about that? <laughs> can we do that? <laughs> hey, you guys, you guys comfortable? Are you sitting next to the platform? <laughs> platform. I mean, words matter, guys. That's true. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. And he read from the book of the law. We could make a platform. I thought you called it a hopa. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you have a movie reference I for do. everything? I can't turn it off. <laughs> Just to get to provide clarity, there are some changes that are happening in the booth in the back to yes. make it more comfortable for everybody that works back there. The booth and is also, where the sound and video equipment sits. That's right. That's right. Not for the production, for the worship service. Yes. And when we did the, uh, you know, when we did the renovations, we didn't really do anything to the production booth. Correct. And it, it's time, right? Do like, you mean the worship booth? <laughs> the tech booth. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, maybe. That makes sense. Yep. So there tech. was a lot of uh, infrastructure upgrade that was done back there, but yep. not a lot of aesthetic upgrade that was done back yeah. there. So the counter in the drawers and the setup and all that is failing and it yeah. needs to be fixed. And we have a lot of traffic back there now. Yep. Pre-COVID, there wasn't much traffic going on back there. Yeah. But now with the streaming, and looks, like there's a lot of folks back there. There's a lot of people there. standing in right. that box. There are a lot of right. people involved. <laughs> yep. And, and every now and then, people bump things and push buttons that don't need to be pushed, and then you Sometimes come in. junior hires get back there and play. <laughs> no, there's some, there's some... We have a video camera in that room, if anybody is unaware. Exactly. And likes to do, you know, bad Wants things. to push buttons. Video and audio. Video and audio. <laughs> Simone's like walking out the door now. She's leaving. There's just some funny... Antics. Yeah, there are people that... That borrow our building, that <laughs> come into that room, just yeah, just start pulling and pushing. Yep. Yeah, these improvements are going to make it tougher for yes. rogue renegade buttons to get pushed. Where yes. we come in the next week and things don't work, and we're like, "Why doesn't this work?" And then after an hour of searching, we're like, "Who pushed this button? <laughs> Why would you ever push this?" So yeah, those situations. It'll be more secure. Yeah, yeah. So yesterday was fun. Was. We had a we had a reason to celebrate yesterday, Kelly. You want to talk about that for just for a quick minute? Yeah. So over the last, uh, I would say, few years, we have, I would say, the people of God at Glowing Bible Church have outgiven the vision of the church. Is one way to say it. I don't know if everybody would like that, but John's rolling his eyes. <laughs> but but frank, but frankly, eyes. the people of God have given diligently. They've given eagerly. Uh, they've given. 
uh, more than we needed to accomplish what God had called us to get done in the last two years. And so we had some money sitting on the sidelines and the elders have a policy. It's over a decade old now that basically says, we're not going to be a bank. We're not going to stockpile cash. We're going to look for active ways to invest it in the mission of God. And if uh, the people of God outgive our vision at the time, then we're going to, we're going to deploy those funds to invest in ministry. And we have a metric we use, um, you know, once we get so much beyond X expenses, then we begin vetting where we might invest the funds. And so um, it was a great day, gave away $100,000 to buy the hand. And we actually have a question in the lineup about it, about how that decision was made. And, and uh, we had, you know, and I understand it, we had some people asking, well, I've got a pet ministry, could I could we apply for funds? Yeah. And so, and that's a fair question. So, you know, why don't we go ahead and just go into that question? Because the other which number is it? It's the final one. Oh, yeah, I got it right here. So, uh, a question came in about what we're talking about. I think it is great that the church supports local ministry partners, but I'm curious about how the organizations were chosen. I also wondered if GBC ever financially supports other churches. Yeah, so we, you know, we um, by the hand is a great ministry, and it's it serves as a great example. But all three of the ministries, and there are two more coming up, um, the vetting process is pretty straightforward. Um, first of all, we wanted organizations that are Christ centered, gospel centered, organizations that are being not coincidental but very intentional about presenting Christ as the hope of the world and Christ to the people that they're serving. And so when I heard, you know, Ben Waterman say 5,000 people, I think it was in the last 13 years have come, kids have come to faith in Christ. I, I, you know, I get out my checkbook and I think where, so who do I write the check to? I mean, it just, it, let's get more of that done, particularly if you watch the evening news and you see what's going on in Chicago, uh, among the youth of Chicago, it's very disheartening. So Christ centered was the first, uh, element of consideration, uh, if we're going to support the ministry. And then next, we there needed to be an existing connection. We don't simply want to write checks. There are a lot of great organizations out there, let's be honest. A lot of great organizations doing good work. But they need to be Christ-centered. And secondly, our people need to be serving there. Mm. We want to do more than write a check. We want to deploy believers in the work of ministry. And so all three of the organizations that uh, we will give a gift to this December. We have people from Glenholm Bible Church, and, and I should say, increasing numbers of people uh, partnering, giving their time and energy to these organizations. Finally, uh, the third element of consideration was we were looking for cross-cultural ministries, those ministries actively, actively involved in caring for people of color, as we want to be part of the joy-filled experience of every nation and language and tribe and people coming to faith in Jesus. We want to, um, we want to do a cross-cultural uh, work and believe passionately about uh, entering into that, so... I'd also say, too, that the organizations that um, that we are partnered with, so the Christ-centered and people involved, you know, by the hand, we had all of our student ministry teams were there this summer, and we'll be going again this next summer. We do have volunteers that, that go and help. Um, so, But beyond that is organizations that have a particular need mm -hmm. that they can express that um, and that fits with you know, what, um, as an extension of the church. So, um, these are, you know, by the hand and the other organizations we're going to give to their ministries that are their parachurch, um, 
but they're it's a way of church ministry getting done through another organization that's specifically focused. So These, rather than the church trying to start an after school program mm-hmm. in the inner city, in the, in the inner, in the, yeah, in Chicago, there's an organization that's doing really well, Christ centered and is an extension, I would say experts in this area. Yeah. That is, it is an extension of the church's work. It's work that will get done best when the church is a part of it and supports it. You know, there's a, uh, and then, you know, the, the ministry, um, is established. It's got a track record. It's interesting for... you bring that up. Do you remember, I, I don't know when Ben Waterman started attending on Bible church and when by the hand first came, um, to our attention, but we told by the hand, no, for years. Yeah. It was a, a <laughs> several years of, of, of learning about each other right. and seeing what going slowly, yeah, getting to know yeah, one another. And, and so I remember I told Ben once, Ben, you've got to get our people interested. Mm-hmm. If our people are going and buying into the vision, then Glenn Bible Church will more likely get on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's that's true for a lot. There's lots of great uh, ministry organizations that are doing lots of great work in and around Glen Ellen Bible Church, mm-hmm. in and around the area, and um, and and getting to know them and working together and and those sorts of things, seeing a pattern of of growth and and contribution and all those sorts of things are really. Yeah. Important. I wanted to answer the part about giving to other churches. Hang on, just a sec. Are you Simone? You know the founder of By the Hand, right? I do. Yeah. Well, because By the Hand, I similar have... to Naomi's house, was birthed out of the Moody Church. Give us some of that history, and, and I forget her name right Donita now. Donita Travis. Donita. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, she's amazing. Um, I've learned a lot from her. And so tell us the Moody Bible connection. Moody Church. So not to be confused with Moody Bible Institute. Oh yeah, right, right. So Moody Church. She attended Moody Church and lived. And I think she still does. And she, I know she still does her and her husband. And, uh, she was in a marketing career and learned of the issues of after school, like the, the needs of, of kids who were not having, uh, constructive after school activities. I'm not saying this right at all. I'm not no, it's, <laughs> even close right. to the founder of by the hand. Um, and she, I think her first go at it was 13 kids started coming to Moody church mm. for after school programs that she was just creating and got gathered people to help. And, um, before you knew it, it just started to slowly grow. Yeah. 1700 That's right now. Amazing. Yeah. I actually learned, I feel like I know by the hand pretty well, um, based on our involvement and the history with Moody. And then I still learned something new from the video mm. yesterday. I'm super excited about yeah. their yeah. vision. That and going. We, we didn't say it on Sunday, but the, the hundred thousand dollars that we gave was specific is going to be specifically designated to that Austin is Harvest it? Austin Market oh, cool. entrepreneurial cool. program, mm-hmm. which was sort of a big highlight in the video, but yeah. it wasn't. We didn't really emphasize that. So there's several different sites and programs and all that, but this this um, kind of new venture that they have that's actually has an economic engine to it. Yeah. Yeah. Where young people are, they're setting the, the ordering the products and setting this type of workers and doing all that kind of, I mean, it's a, it's a really, really cool thing. When I say, and I, it it brings to mind when I say that the third element of consideration was cross culture. What I really meant to highlight there is um, helping the marginalized, a justice work and equality work, uh, empowering those that are less fortunate. And the reason I bring that up is because the young man, who narrated the video mm-hmm. we all watched. Mm-hmm. He also wrote the lion's share of the script, then did the narration, and out of that has been offered a job. Mm-hmm. And he's a high school kid. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, and so it, it gives you a... F- their entrepreneurial efforts are really working. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so empowering. And you see that hand in hand with the gospel. And I just, man, it makes you want to invest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Go ahead, John. So, about oh. Yeah. What about the other, other churches? Do yeah. we ever invest in financially in other churches? Yeah. We, you know, the biggest one we, we did was uh, Four Corners, which I don't know, 12 years ago, 11, 12 years yeah. ago now. Yeah. So the, the church um, that we sent people and pastors out, funded that church, helped them mm-hmm. be, get established. That was a, a significant amount of resources that went out. We've also had other local churches. I think five, six years ago, we purchased chairs yeah. for a church to help them. Um, they needed something to sit on. See, get, get going. Um, we have a church right now that we're, um, that's, it's starting uh, right near us that we're really, really excited about. And we're going to help them with some sound equipment. And, and um, so we, we're, we're all in to, to help other churches that are trying to get started that we we've spent time with getting to know and praying for them and their mm. pastors and or their pastor in this in this case and so we are we definitely want to help the church uh, grow um, locally and so that if there's things that we can do we do it absolutely and it's a joy to be a part of that uh, to see um, God's kingdom growing yeah. and yeah we were, we were meeting with this this guy who's and you know we're kind of familiar with him and his work. He's in in Glendale Heights and has a, a good work going there and is starting to he's plant planting a church and he's, he started in COVID. Yeah, wow. and um, just hearing like when you connect with somebody like that and you're they're like, you know, we're just hoping for like a couple music stands <laughs> right. and some mics. You know, we're just we just want to get in this. They, they have a building that's uh, a space. We could that use some rent speakers. And, yeah, we need uh, we need a couple speakers because they don't. I mean, it's just like that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's really it's it's, it's right. easy to step in and be a help. And yeah, I mean, we take those things so for for granted every yeah. Sunday. Yeah. You know, like that mic stands are going to be here and the speakers are here and they're going to work and all that, you know, it's just a different, yeah. not that we're not, you know, working hard for sure, but yeah, we have our own stresses yeah, given just, to by our size. It's just, yeah. it's cool yeah. to be sitting with somebody who's, who's right in that, the start of that work and, and yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Um, I'm going to throw one last question out there about this topic um, because I found myself wondering it. I didn't, I didn't think this. I was just kind of wondering. I wonder if anyone else is thinking this. Uh, so, is it is it healthy for churches to do what we did yesterday, where we uh, where we say, "Hey, we're giving a hundred thousand bucks to this," and and here we are and. Um, Someone might be thinking, doesn't it say somewhere in the scriptures, like to give and not let anyone know or not let anyone see, like, shouldn't, isn't that a more humble posture to just give and and not put it on display? How would you answer that? Yeah. So that's out of Matthew chapter six. And, and Jesus says, don't let your, your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Give in secret and your father who's in secret will reward you for giving in secret. It says the same thing about prayer. It says, go into the inner room, your closet, pray in secret, and your father who uh, who knows what you're doing in secret will reward you. And, but we, of course, we, we don't only pray in secret. We, we also pray together as community, and we don't only uh, give in secret, but we also give together as a community. So the it's a great question. It's a fair question, and it's a question that needs to be addressed even in the moment of giving. In other words, the warning out of Matthew 6 is is don't do these things to be seen by others. Right. Be really careful. And and I do think that pride is a, a real temptation. 
particularly for the suburban church with regards to money. And so we need to, I went out of my way to do my best to say, we are growing in the grace of giving by God's work through us. It's, this isn't something that we're doing. It's an evidence that that the resurrection's real yep. when suburbanites uh, let go of their money. Um, and so we praise God for his work in us. It's not something we're doing, but yeah. we should be aware of the fact we, we could get arrogant with regard to how much we give. Right. And it's also an opportunity to celebrate. I mean, and that's important, right? Like to celebrate yes. as a church. Of course, there's probably a lot of giving that I'm assuming that goes on to other charities, organizations, um, uh, what's the the benevolence funds, right. things like that, that, that goes to people that celebrate. we never talk about, right? right? We like, shouldn't, right? It's be, it's, exactly. It's, and right. some of it we shouldn't, some of it probably yeah. we just do, but um, yeah. I talked to somebody after um, second service and who has a heart for the city and, and all that's going on there. And they were kind of emotional watching this, the video and the, the whole experience. It's very just, emotional. Just seeing, you know, some of that positive stuff. Then they said, and then... Uh, Kelly said how much we're giving and I could not contain the tears the like just, just boom just boom <laughs> yeah. like this wasn't like a thousand bucks which is a, still a lot of money this was like a a, a significant contribution that mm. gets a, a considerable It'll amount of things, right? ministry work done especially yeah. w- looking at that particular ministry of the Austin market Austin uh, harvest and the, I mean it was like I, when I was talking with this person, I, I heard nothing of, look how great we are, yeah. but a celebration yep. mm-hmm. of what God has done through our church and the work that will be accomplished mm. because of it. And it, it was really, it was a cool moment so, yeah. for me. Yeah. All right. Well, um, let's move into some questions about uh, the sermons. And actually, this one was from last week. Got to go back. (laughs) Revelation. Back to Luke. No, back to (laughs) Revelation. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Okay, here's the question. Revelation 7-9 mentions the tribulation saints. Who are these saints? And if we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, is there the possibility that we could be one of them that will share the gospel with those who are left behind and help lead them to Christ? Yeah, the notion of tribulation saints comes out of Revelation chapter 7. I'll just read it here. It's verses 13 and 14. well, up a little earlier in chapter 7, there are these, um, I'll just read verse 9. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude no one could count. So lots of people from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches. Later in that chapter, uh, someone asks, or, or John asks, who are these holding palm branches? And uh, he said... They are those that have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And so they've, these, are, these are people that have come to faith in Christ during the tribulation or, or endured the tribulation as followers of Christ. And so the question is, uh, could, could we be some of those who are sharing the gospel during the tribulation or enduring the tribulation? And I think, it, well, it depends. And this is one of the elements of the book of Revelation I did not get into. I didn't talk at all about the tribulation. And if you're steeped in, in, uh, in Revelation understanding, you'll know that the tribulation is a, is a future seven-year period of time when God will finish his discipline of Israel and of those on the earth. 
and both uh, Jew and Gentile, and he'll finalize his work of judgment uh, against the unbelieving world. So it's this really uh, intense time of trial and turmoil. And depending on how you interpret the book of Revelation, um, um, some people say that, no, the church will not be a part of the tribulation, that the rapture will take place and that the, the believers in Christ will be plucked up out of uh, the world before these hard times start. And then there's a, a, a uh, position that says, well, believers will go through three and a half years enduring half the tribulation to be raptured in the mid middle of the tribulation. And then there's a, a, a group that believes that that believers will endure the tribulation and that we should be prepare, prepared for it. And we'll need to persevere and endure. So it, it really depends on how you handle um, the scripture and, and frankly, decisions about how um, or whether believers will endure the tribulation uh, are based on other New Testament texts. Uh, uh, interpretations of whether we're going to endure that are, are based on on passages outside the book of Revelation. So, um, I, yes, it's possible believers will be actively sharing the gospel during the tribulation period. I think we should be prepared for that. Uh, let's be honest; it's not easy to be to follow Jesus today. Uh, we and if it's if it's going to get worse, we should be building some internal fortitude and strength and readiness for that. Um, here's the good news. Here's what I love. God is going to be saving people even in the most hellish time period on earth during the tribulation. He's still at work. He's still showing his mercy. He's still showing his grace. And people are going to come out of the tribulation washed clean uh, through faith in Jesus Christ. That's, That's a good perspective. Yeah. Um, I know, you know, just reading through the scriptures and then reading a ton of commentaries on it and reading people's writings who are way smarter than I am about all of this, uh, and they land on totally opposite poles yeah. of where we're going to be during the tribulation. How important is it for you guys? Do you guys think how important is it to, to really plant your flag in a position on this and, and know what you believe and on eschatology, mm -hmm. but it's specifically about the, the tribulation. Trip. And yeah. the believers like, are we going to be swept away? Are we going to be right here enduring it? How, the, the original question. No, the original question. <laughs> but, is, but I'm how asking how is in general, how important is it? If oh. someone is like, "Oh my gosh, this is just too much." Like, there's so many things that I, you know, they're just maybe they feel overwhelmed. At, at I don't know. have a position, so it overwhelms them. Right? Is it I okay believe. to not know? Is it okay to not have a position? Like, what? A, how would? You, yeah. Well, how do? What do you, how do you guys feel about that? <laughs> I'm looking right I at Simone. And, like Simone, you go. No, I. Well, I don't know the importance of it. I think it's important to be in the word and studying what God is trying to teach you through even the things that you don't know. And so, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to go as far as to say, I, I don't care how it all lands. Cause that sounds flippant, right. but at the same time, I'm comfortable not knowing I'm comfortable with it being, you know, not crystal clear. Um, but I do think in this, your last point, Kelly is what gets me so excited about the sovereignty of God and me not knowing all of his ways mm -hmm. is that even in the midst of tribulation, he's going to bring people to saving faith. And mm -hmm. that, that feels life changing to me that mm -hmm. I can apply to my life today, mm -hmm. where the rapture is, if there's a rapture, when that takes place, what happens during the tribulation, that to me feels like it's not going to impact my day to day necessarily. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah, yeah. I, I'm it not. It makes terrific sense. Okay. I, and I'd go so far as to say that I think it's really important 
for believers to identify some things are of primary importance, Mm -hmm. some things are of secondary importance, and some things are of 51st importance. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, we're told to do our best to, to present ourselves to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. We, we're to be uh, men and women, people who study God's word and are committed to that. But if you don't have a position on this, I, I don't think you ought to spend a lot of time kicking yourself. So, you know, when Paul writes to Timothy, do your best. Well, some of us have much more urgent matters to be addressing with our savior and growing in. I mean, if, if, if I had a raging addiction, man, I, I would, I would consider my position on the tribulation, a secondary issue. And I'd give my full attention to the Holy Spirit's work on me in that addiction. You know what I mean? So, or if I had a child with special needs, I could see, I'd just be exhausted. Mm -hmm. So I just, we need to be gracious with one another and, and gentle and, yeah, I, it's still pretty fresh paint for me because I think in the last year and a half, maybe there were, we had a class on eschatology and, well, and did a pretty deep dive on it. And yeah. it was like, I was just like, wow, there are some very, very intelligent people who are saying completely opposite things. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting and I landed somewhere and it was like, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I, I don't, I couldn't articulate the benefit of me landing there other than I spent a lot of time <laughs> in God's word <laughs> trying to figure this out, you know, like, but I, I can't point. tell you. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it makes me a more effective or better pastor. Or godly. Or I, I, I All right, let's uh, let's go to the next question. Pastor Kelly defined a prophet as someone who speaks the plans and purposes of God. He goes on to apply this definition to Isaiah and, and numerous Old Testament prophets. By this definition, anyone could be a prophet, for I could turn to any given book of the Bible, read the plan God gives for, say, salvation, and state the purpose as given not only in the Gospels, but the epistles as well. Is not the difference between us and Old Testament prophets that they were specifically po- appointed by God, given special authority pro- to proclaim the literal word of God coming directly from God. I feel as if the definition given by Pastor Kelly could confuse others that we are the same kind of prophets as the Old Testament prophets and given the same authority and purpose. What are your thoughts on this? Thank you. I think it's a brilliant question. And yes, uh, if you if you did as I said, quote, if you did as you if said, if you did as you said, <laughs> quote, turn to a book of the Bible, read the plan of God for salvation, and state the purposes as given, not only in the Gospels, but in the epistles as well. If you did that publicly, you would be prophesying, is in my understanding of prophecy. So uh, much of what happens at church on Sunday morning in kids' ministry, youth ministry, adult ministry is prophetic. If you're reading the word, if you're telling the truth, if you're explaining the plans and purposes of God, you are functioning as a as a prophet or in the role of a prophet. You're telling your you're telling the truth. And so and so prophecy can be foretelling, that is telling the future, what's to come. It can be forthtelling, it can be that is truth telling. Uh, and we should remember, uh, there is a New Testament gift of prophecy as well as an Old Testament role of prophecy. Um, so when members of the church experience the gift of prophecy, they do so only as they speak the word of God. Um, or I should say they, 
they do th- they do so to the extent that they speak the word of God. So in the New Testament setting, uh, we can exercise the gift of prophecy, or we we play the role of a prophet, but it means that we are we are declaring what God's word says, which is very different than what and rightly this question asker points out. It's very different than what the Old Testament prophets were doing. They had the authority. That's the big difference. They had a unique authority, a unique role in the work of God uh, that if, you know, as a preacher, I don't have, as a Sunday school teacher, we wouldn't have. So the big difference is that of authority. There is a difference between what the Old Testament prophets offered and what those who today move in the gift of prophecy offer, and that is namely authority. And that's because the the work of the the canon, the Bible is complete. Yeah. You can, we cannot add yeah. to it like the yeah. Old Testament prophets. Yeah. Right. Doing. And uh, is there a degree of just talking semantics here? Like if I prophesy, does that make me a prophet? I mean, I play football. I'm not a football player. Well, I, I think it, to degrees. I mean, if you play football, you're a football player. You don't make your living playing football. And, and but I wouldn't even say it in normal conversation. I wouldn't tell somebody, yeah, I'm a football player. Like, yeah, so I get it. So you may not go around telling people you prophesy, but there are certainly people that do it enough. Um, my job, I'm paid to a certain extent to to play a prophetic role in our community. And um, so I think that's a matter of degree, really. Yeah. The, the unique calling of the Old Testament prophets to give a word from the Lord, sometimes crazy specific mm. to to a person or an animal or <laughs> like that direct go to this man mm-hmm. say these words and do this action seems different than reading scripture and and sharing truth it is yes so this i think you know it's it's um so the, I, the question I have is, are, and I think what this person is getting at too, are there people in the line of Old Testament and New Testament prophets in the way that I just described present today? No, that's Simone's point. Saying, it's you know, only, scripture settled, scripture, the canon is closed. So the, the saying, I have a unique word from God for you to do this action. Yeah, I would be very careful if someone said that to me. Yeah. So then what is, I think you're maybe getting to it. Are there prophets today? Or is there a gift? What's the gift of prophecy? In, in the same, yeah. So the specific gifting of prophe- prophecy is... Is not the same as the Old Testament role of the prophet. So that miraculous glyph, gift, you would say, is has ceased. I, would, I wouldn't say it that way. I, I would say... <laughs> I would say that there are no longer prophets as there were... Um, in the, in Israel, um, during the old Testament, as we see in that, in the role of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Deborah, Holda. What about in the new Testament? Yeah. uh, I think that the new Testament, I know the new Testament talks about the gift of prophecy. And I, I want to be, Paul says, I wish that you all prophesied. Right. So I think that we need to have space in our theology and in our community Mm. for the prophet. And for the role of prophecy. Well, could somebody have the gift of prophecy and somebody not? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So what does that look like? Someone's, is it, would you call it teaching the word of God? Well, I think that people that are teachers often also demonstrate uh, the gift of prophecy. And we could have multiple gifts. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I'm just, I... 
I don't work really hard to nail these down. I work really, <laughs> I work really hard to keep the door open. I'm really nervous about the church saying, well, that's weird. So we're yeah. not gonna. At the same time, you said you would be very careful if somebody came to you and said, God. Thus saith the Lord. Right. Yeah. So um, the, uh, anybody that's exercising the gift of prophecy today will not speak anything in contradiction to scripture. That's right. And anybody exercising the gift of prophecy today should do so in a community. And by that, I mean, should have the an, an active submitted posture to the elders of a local church. Like I wouldn't, you know, the notion of a rogue prophet, yeah, you know, alarms and bells should go off. So, uh, you know, when someone at Glow and Bible Church, and, and this has happened, when someone comes up and say, man, I really feel and this, I'll give an example. Uh, the Glow and Bible Church, a decade ago, went through some really hard times where um, we had some staff failures on some issues. And I remember a, a gathering, it was a congregational gathering, and someone in the community of faith asked the question and said, uh, Kelly, what do you think the Lord's teaching us? And I said, gosh, I don't know, but whatever it is, I hope we learn our lesson quickly because mm. it was such a hard season. And then there was this pregnant pause, and the person who asked, I asked them, what do you think the Lord's teaching? And I knew the minute I did it, I was about to hear something from God. Hmm. It was Linnea Martin. And Linnea said, I think the Lord's teaching us humility. And I can remember thinking, ugh, what a horrible lesson to learn. <laughs> just a hard <laughs> lesson. Yeah. It's just, it's hard to be humbled. And so, and I don't know that I've ever told Linnea that, but I remember thinking, oh my gosh, <laughs> you ask, here it comes. And sure enough, I, it resonated with me. In other words, it, there's nothing in contradiction to scripture there. The Lord would teach us all humility. And, but the, I felt like the Lord had laid on her heart. And, and ironically, she had started with a question. And in God's grace, I, hmm. he had moved me to ask a, her the question. And she had shared. And I remember the whole community of faith heard it. And I don't know what anybody else thought, but I thought, gosh, that's so hard. I mean, it's just hard to be humbled. And But I thought that was a prophetic moment. I thought it was a... Does that give an example? Yeah, it's a great example. Okay. I love that. All right. All right. Let's go, uh, let's go to the next one. I've never heard the historical background of Isaiah's prophecy about Emmanuel's birth from Isaiah 7 and 9. It was amazing to learn about Ahaz refusing... God's offer of a sign, and then God promising the sign of Emmanuel. Frankly, it made me want to read the Old Testament, but I don't know where to start. Where do I start? Yeah. Genesis one. I heard this from a number of I, one. I, I heard this from a number of people. I love this part of I when I first discovered the history around the messianic prophecy that okay, I'll give you a sign. When I heard that it was because Ahaz had refused, Ahaz at the same time had given his own son and sacrificed to Molech, I thought to myself, wow, God's gracious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot more detail to the story than we often get because yeah. it's the sort of the highlights of Advent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wonderful right. counselor. Right, right. You know, it's like, which, rightly so. Right. I mean, we focus on those things. We build sermon series around those topics yeah. and we do all that. But then... There's so much more. Yeah, you hear that king had stubbornly yeah. refused to depend on the Lord mm. and instead sent all the money of the temple wow. to a foreign god. 
our foreign nation and then giving his son to that God. I just, it's craziness. Mm -hmm. Anyway, well, I'd be, I'd love to hear what you guys think about where to start in the old Testament. I've I've got some broad strokes here. Um, The first thing I'd say is it's Christmas. So anybody that is going to start in the old Testament, I would invest in a study Bible. Oh yeah, that's great. Put it on your Christmas list. You know, we're talking a hundred bucks, maybe 150 bucks tops. Um, Tyndale House has a great study Bible. Uh, Crossway has a great study Bible. Uh, Crossway is is the ESV. Tyndale House is the NLT, the New Living Translation. The NIV has a study Bible. They're huge leather-bound books. (laughs) So they're great. And you can get a whole seminary's education in a study Bible these days. They offer language. Wow. (laughs) All the seminaries are thanking you for that one. Yeah. They're asking, they, they offer linguistic, grammatical elements in their studies. They offer uh, cultural background, historical contextualization. And so these study Bibles these days are amazing. I'd get a study Bible. Secondly, I would pick a genre that connects with your soul. So I wouldn't just start anywhere. Uh, let's be honest. It, it, it's taken me a decade to learn to enjoy the Psalms. And now I read them daily. But it has taken me a decade. I was um, anti psalm. I was just because they're emotional. Or? Yeah, mm. I was just there. I the I'm giving pansy. towards like I would start. I would go to Galatians, Ephesians, Romans. Give me the give me the the yeah. theological declarative statements of who God is and what He's doing. But I'll say it this way: the more pain in life, I needed the Psalms. It's the anatomy of the soul. Yes, yes, oh, and good. I was shallow. I don't know how to say that, but, um, Hey, I, I mean, I consider myself an artist. I had a hard time connecting with the Psalms until, you know, fairly cool. recently, I would yeah, say in my yeah. walk. Yeah. And some people may go to the Psalms because they're artists. Uh, but some people may stay away from the Psalms because they're shallow and they, or they like me, or some people may opt for them because it's poetry. Yeah. Some people may stay away from the Psalms because it touches too, too close to home. Where are you, God? How long will you let me suffer, God? I mean, well, you also might end up somewhere in a psalm that just is like, "What?" Right? He's asking so, God to do what to someone's children, or yeah, what? Smite like, my enemy's children. <laughs> right, right. How does right. that fit in the? Right. Yeah. Get a study Bible, folks. Um, and I would, I would uh, suggest um, getting some kind of some kind of overview first of the mm. entire Old Testament and just reading that to familiarize yourself with the arc of, of what's happening. Um, that always helps. And and then if, if you, but if you want to jump into a narrative, I, I think the end of, towards the end of Genesis is a great, is a great place to start with the Joseph story. What is that? Mm. Like 28, maybe 27, 22, Yeah. And I mean, because that, that's kind of like a clear cut from what happened before. And you don't need yeah. to know a it's lot a of what point. happened before that story. And it's and, a riveting story. Right, right. And you end up with, oh, that's, that's how Israel started. Yeah. And, you know, so you could start there. But, um, man, it just reminds me, I wanted to share this. Um, it reminds me of when I, before I, you know, became a Christian, before I met Christ, and I was at the, I mean, probably my lowest point. Like the downward spiral was as far as it went. Mm. And I was just grasping for anything. And I did pick up you know, my grandma's Bible. And mm. I tried to read, I was searching for something. And I, I, of course I just started Genesis one and it, it just, I say at the, at this moment, like, you know, looking back, like it just didn't really do anything for me. Yeah. It didn't, maybe it did. Maybe God was at it work. It didn't hurt. It didn't hurt. Right. But, <laughs> but it was just like, I have no idea what's going yeah. on. 
like this. I'm searching for answers. I'm holding the answers in my hand, you know, but, but I just can't make sense of it. So I think it's a totally fair question. Like, right. Like where do I start? And if you did just try to jump in, you, you may feel overwhelmed and lost. That's why I gave the, um, that's why I gave the, uh, um, the advice of maybe get something that tells the overarching Mm -hmm. story first. Are you guys familiar with the Bible recap? (gasps) You're not. Oh, let me tell you. It's called the Bible recap. It's a podcast. Um, and then there is a reading that goes along with it. There's an, an app you can get that goes along with it. And it takes you through through the entire Bible chronologically oh, yeah. fun. In, in a year. Cool. Um, and then she produced, the woman's name is Tara Lee Cobble, C-O-B-B-L-E. I think she lives in Dallas. She prefers you to call her Tara Lee, two names. Um, it is, I went through it. My, my, my best friend who lives in Texas told me about it a couple of years ago, like on New Year's Eve. And then I started the next oh, day. Nice. So this is awesome. It is it was really one of the best overviews of the Bible I've ever done. Oh, cool. And then she produced her um, podcast because it goes, she t- so you read three chapters a day and then you listen to the podcast and it's her overview of what those three days are, those three re- the, the three chapters were of the reading. And um, she just gives you her insight from it. She'll do a little bit of theology in there and, or something that stood out to her. So there's a podcast that coincides with every reading. Then she took all those podcasts and she turned it into a book. And it's a, it's like a reference book. I gave it to the whole staff last year at Naomi's house for Christmas because it's it goes, I mean, it's a, it's about your saints an overview. So it's not super deep, but it's so good. I think I'm going to do it again in 20. 21. The Bible Two, recap. 2022. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the Bible recap. I highly recommend it. Even, I mean, she comes to I me, mean, she's a woman, so she gives it from a, a, like her perspective, but I know Emma Anthony's done it. And so I think it, it's applicable to anybody. That's, That's a awesome. great recommendation. It's mm-hmm. awesome. You're John, welcome. you got any thoughts? <sighs> no. I got more. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I mean, you guys are covering everything I'd say. I, You're doing okay. great. So pick a genre that you like. Uh, Matt suggested history. I think he's spot on there. A lot of people, the Joseph story is a great place to start uh, at the tail end of Genesis. Um, and then uh, stick with the reading schedule. Uh, it takes a while to get into the rhythm of the Old Testament. And and I, should, I would also say... Um, yeah, there's a reading plans. Yeah. That's a great idea. I mean, we've well, done what this the Simone last... Simone suggests is awesome. Yeah, and that we did... We didn't do it last year, did but we? Every other year, every just other about. Every year or yeah. so, we'll do a group effort to read through, and yeah. we use a like U version or some yeah. app or website that gives you guided readings each day. So you get some Old Testament, you get some New Testament. Yeah. So, And when you're reading and you don't understand something, you've got to pause and dig in a little bit. It does take some work. I mean, this is an old book, and the names and places and people are far removed from us. So it does take a little bit of work. Again, the study Bible would really help. Finally, do not read the Bible without praying. Hmm. Um, Certainly you can read the Bible without praying and there's value added. Uh, But ultimately our minds and hearts have to be opened by the spirit to what we're reading. It's a supernatural book and the spirit makes it available to us. So uh, make sure you're asking God for wisdom and insight. All right. Well, let's go to the final question. I don't have trouble believing in God's birth, but I have family that does have trouble believing. I think it's a marvelous story, surprising and beautiful. They think it's weird and strange. What can I do to help them see? Do any of you guys have family far from Christ? Oh, yeah. 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 I always like to say, begin with prayer. Ask God to open their minds. I mean... That's, it's got to be a supernatural work. Uh, next, and I loved what this person wrote. Um, 
I believe it's a marvelous story, surprising and beautiful. I, my response is live a marvelous, surprising and beautiful life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In other words, live a life that reflects your confidence that God can reach the people you love. In fact, live a life that demonstrates you believe God loves your family and friends more than you love them, that he's, he's loving and powerful and he's at work in the world. Live that type of life. Uh, so often I think that we demonstrate doubt in our posture and how we interact with our family. Uh, um, and you try to explain away yeah, the weird and yeah. the, rather than um, pushing in. Um, yeah, I think and, you should admit sh- there's a, there's yeah, a weird strange yeah, element. Totally. Yeah. And, and how it's impacted you and, and uh, sharing your reasons for faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes we try to, like you, I think you said it on Sunday, like some people have tried to just take this as a, a myth, yeah, redemptive and, myth, and, and, uh, as a way to explain something that they aren't sure about. Mm-hmm. So they make a myth about it, so that it looks marvelous, mysterious, and beautiful. Mm-hmm. But the clearest telling of it, with a, you know, it isn't a myth, right? Is you know, um, oh. anyway. I was just thinking. I, was, I think that I would encourage someone in my family who is struggling to like believe the literal birth of Jesus and the whole story to like, I'd almost say, I don't, don't worry about those details. Like just pursue God and ask him to make himself mm-hmm. real to you. Make him like to, to give you a faith to find a relationship with him, to have a purpose with him. And then, and I don't know if you guys find this to be true, but the more you're, the more intimate you are with God, then the more some of the things of the Bible make sense to you. Mm. It doesn't feel as weird and strange, but if you start with some of the weird and strange things, it's not mm. going to draw you to God. But if you, if you flipped it and just say, start with a relationship with God, just ask him, you know, to, to show you who he is and his love for you mm. and what a life of grace mm. looks like. Then you read the book of Isaiah and you realize that this King didn't, you know, all of a sudden your, your mind's blown by the details mm. and the, the specificity mm-hmm. of God's every purpose of the Bible or every part of the Bible has a purpose mm-hmm. and none of it's wasted. So I don't know. I maybe would start with just not to encourage your family to get caught up in some of the, yeah, it's kind of weird. It's hard to, hard to wrap your mind around, but you know, a good place to start is just asking God to show you himself. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Cause he's eager to do that. He's so yep. eager to do that. Yeah. yeah. I thought, That's um, good. we kind of passed over this in our talk about Sunday morning, but, um, Greg Mashing's communion. It was great. It was excellent. Yep. And um, I mean, it was really good. It was really good. I was good. really, really moved. And I thought God spoke spoke to me through Did his preparation. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think he's he prophesied? Prophesied. He told the truth, man. <laughs> he told the truth. <laughs> he told some good, we all want to say that. Some about. good, hard truth and beautiful um, I can't believe he had that and, picture. Yeah, yeah it was really cool. Cool. I can't believe that was his picture. No, yeah. no, no, no. Oh, it wasn't. It, it was New York Times was doing an article, oh. but he he saw the he, building. Okay. He was I there. Oh, the, I have video of the wrecking ball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the final parts of that same building. Wow. It's amazing how. Anyway, uh, I interrupted. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I I was thinking about his use of childlike faith mm-hmm. in three specific ways. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about um, some of the confusion that adults often have with the Christmas story and yet how it makes it's often a layup. perfect sense <laughs> to children. You're right. Like it's not that crazy. It's not that no. like they're, they're one, their ability to have this wonderment and this, 
yeah, and this kind of, like, all the the amazement of Christmas is, like, they embrace. Mm-hmm. Where often, as a, adults, we're like, mm, probably not really a virgin birth, you know, those who don't believe I'm talking about. Right, you know, right, like, right. we try to... We get hung up on all We try details. to debunk, like, really, shepherds, really? And then, you know, it's yeah. like, the, the, all the, the stories, but for... I, I, it's just a great um, opportunity, I think, to have some childlike faith mm. around around um christmas mm-hmm. the it was these types of questions that kept my father from coming to faith for the longest time mm-hmm. yeah. and I, and i always say that the lord was gracious to him and humbled him with a a degenerative disease in which his intellect was removed as a barrier from his believing wow and as i'm saying this i don't want to d- dismiss the fact that adults yeah. have real questions Question. and there's real legitimate work right. and answers yeah. to be given and hard conversations and back and forth and there's an, an, an intellectual element to everything that happens at Chris, Christmas. I'm not dis- dismissing that, but I do think that there is also a beautiful opportunity to express childlike faith in, in what goes down around, around Christmas. But, Last thing I say, when, when I am interacting with my family and it I have tried to adopt a posture of asking questions without grilling them with an mm-hmm. inquisition. Like I, <laughs> I do my best when I can ask questions that are coming out of genuine interest. Okay. So you don't believe in this. What do you believe? You know, and, and I really want to know you. And it's what I would describe as a, a relationship of mutual influence and I think non-Christians can sense when we're not open to mutual influence, hmm. when we, we want it to be one way. I'm going to influence you for Jesus. Yeah. And that's, that's not fair. And it's yeah. disingenuous. I don't know. It's, it's not very alluring. It doesn't draw people in yeah. when relationships are going to be one way. Yeah. There's a really good book. I actually just lent it to my neighbor um, because she was... Uh, she was engaged in a conversation with another neighbor and was just getting frustrated because it was going nowhere and mm. she just was getting kind of tongue-tied. And But it's it, it's called Questioning Evangelism. Mm. And so it's it's a book and it's a, a bunch of like um, situations and scenes mm. where it's it's examples of just... Just ask questions. Mm-hmm. Ask what genuinely though. Ask questions, not like right. this book is a strategy guide to get someone to come to G, you know. Right. But ask exactly like what you're saying. Like ask genuine questions instead of telling them how it is. Right. Yeah. I I really think in the relationship with those we want to come to Christ, we have to come to a crossroads where where we wrestle with whether or not whether we will love these folks, regardless of if they ever agree with us on faith matters. And we need to come to the place that we love them just as they are. Yeah. God loves them that way. And so... Well, I've cut out all the pre-trib people in my life. <laughs> I, no, I'm kidding. No, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> nice right. job today, guys. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Good questions. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the questions we have for you today. But if you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text the Next Level Podcast, 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for our getting to know him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. 
Thank you for joining us and thank you listeners for tuning in to the next level. Prophecy.